Welcome to the Give Back Economy, a podcast about social innovation and social enterprise. Now with your host, Peter Miller. Welcome back, and today we have a special guest who is a social entrepreneur and runs a social enterprise. Her name is Mary Doyle, and welcome, Mary. Thank you, Peter. I'm so excited to be here today. Thank you for the invitation. Okay, can you tell me a little bit about your academic background? All right, my academic background. I um, I have my BA, my honors BA in English, and I have my Bachelor of Education um, in uh, with specialist teaching um, credentials in English and Art, and I taught high school for seven years. Ah. And where did you teach high school? I taught in a private school when I first graduated um, in King City called the Country Day School. Um, And after I left there, I moved when I had had my first child, Eve, my daughter. We moved back to um, a rural community close to my parents. And I, at that time, I started back uh, working with the public system with the Hastings um, and Prince Edward District School Board. And you were teaching high school? No, actually, at that point, um, the job that came up in the town that I was living was a grade eight teaching position. So um, I taught high school English and media and art. for the first seven years, and then then I started teaching a grade eight class, and it was a it was a really good experience um, teaching the different different ages. Well, from the variety of things that you've done, it obviously has prepared you for your current uh, endeavor that you're undertaking. It has. It's it's really interesting. I love talking to people about um, their journey and how they got to where where they are because. You really cannot predict from the day that you start your your training in, in an area where you're going to end up 20, 30, 40 years from, from then. Um, and it's, it's very, very different. So I like to, I like to say I've kind of lived through a lot of different careers and, and um, reinvented myself a number of times. But really what it is is it's a transition that – you know, takes into account all of the skill set that you're bringing with you, and you're you're just adding adding to it differently from other people. And now, you have started, or actually have been running an organization called Rural on Purpose. How did you come up with the name, and why did you start this organization? Oh, okay. That's a good question. Thank you for asking that. Um, I, I have to step back a, a tiny bit. I probably should have answered this right before this question. But after I left, um, when, I, when I was on maternity leave, actually, with my second daughter from high, from teaching school, I started an adult education business. And that was my first foray into entrepreneurship. And it started out with just me and one adult student, and I was working from my home. And it very quickly grew um, because it was I was retraining adult workers and helping them get their high school diplomas. So I, I had a partnership with the with the adult education department um, at the school, and we could actually grant high school diplomas. And 
So um, I did that work for uh, eight, probably eight and a half years and built a business with 26 full-time teachers working working with me. And we, uh, we graduated hundreds of, of adults um, over that, that time period. And it was really, it was really that transition that led into my economic development role. <laughs> and I was an enterprise facilitator for three and a half years with um, Hastings, um, Hastings County. And that role, um, it, it kind of capitalized on the, the education, the adult education background that I had, the entrepreneurship um, background that I had. Um, I won business person of the year in Kingston while I had that first business. And um, in the adult, sorry, in the um, enterprise facilitation role, I got to go and travel around. My, my office was my car. I traveled around to work with businesses um, all over 14 municipalities and work in a confidential way, one-on-one um, with people at their kitchen tables who wanted to start businesses. And it was really, it was a really great experience. I got to coach people and, and um, work with them in a very intimate way. And a very, and the, the confidentiality was a really important part of that. I also got to work with businesses that were, that were struggling and they needed support. And with that enterprise facilitation program, because it was a confidential free service, um, they didn't. They didn't have to disclose to anyone or walk through the front doors of an office and say, you know, I need some help. I I, I don't know what to do. How to pivot, you know, from this this point. Um, and so they got the help that they needed in a in a, a very effective way. So that was a that was a really great program. And I left there to um, start a, a not for profit economic development organization called. Quintivation with the local um, hotelier here, Ryan Williams, and he's in council now um, and a very big entrepreneurship advocate. And we we started Quintivation, and it's still going today. I was the executive director for the first year with that organization. We looked at um, supporting local industries, um, so we worked with the craft. Uh, beer industry and we worked with film industry and we worked um, with technology industry and we helped to scale some local businesses so that um, they had the support that they needed. And that was a really great experience for me as well. And that was what led me to Rural on Purpose because in every role that I had ever worked, there were always borders that, um, where I, I could work with somebody on this side of the, the road, but not the other side of the road because of there were funding restrictions or, or geographic uh, boundaries that, that came into play. Um, and I wanted to, I knew, I knew that if there was a solution for one community or one person, that it was a solution that someone else could use as well. And I just wanted to be able to be free enough to, um, provide that solution and support and, and network in a way that was um, that was going to help anyone who needed that help. And so we started, I started Rural on Purpose with my husband. And uh, you asked about the name. I think it, we walk every morning, we go for walks. And I think we do most of our, our 
our greatest kind of thinking and talking first thing in the morning when we wake up and and we're we're discussing you know challenges and things that are happening in the world and and when we were talking about the economic development and community building and in rural communities one of the things that that kept coming up with in our discussions was the fact that um the people are they struggle with that that ability to get to talk about rural communities as a first choice um and it was really important that we had a name for the business that that reflected that rural living in a rural community is a first choice for people and it is something that they are doing in a meaningful way on purpose and it's not something that they should shy away from telling people about so it gives people a way to talk about where they live um in a an empowering way wow you have had a busy uh, career in a broad range of applications in terms of entrepreneurship what is the uh, the main program that you're delivering to rural communities? We had for we're we've been in existence for about two and a half years now, and close to that. And we started out looking at one problem and one one area that we could develop a program to help solve an, an issue, a challenge, and we looked at the the remote workforce that was developing in a lot of rural communities and the entrepreneurs, the freelancers, the people who are working, choosing to work from home um, and choosing rural communities as a, as a place to do that. And we realized that very quickly that the support systems are not, not there entirely in rural communities. First of all, you have to have high speed internet to be able to work from home. And that's an, an ongoing challenge, and it's something that I think, um, based on you know what we're dealing with today, I think that that's gonna that's gonna be moved up very very quickly to the to the the top of the priority list, uh, which is a good thing. Um, so once people have have internet in their rural communities, they need a support system to. Um, be able to collaborate and and meet other people who are working from home and and deal with that isolation issue that is that's well we're all feeling right now and and so there's going to be an empathetic point of view i'm i'm certain going forward but for people who work from home they choose it but they also need the opportunity to socialize and and get out so co-working was was is one way that you can do that and co-working is like like a, having a, a gym membership where you have the ability to, to leave your home and, and go in and work someplace in a community setting, have a desk like you would a treadmill, and you can go and do your work, but you can also socialize and talk and collaborate with the people that are around you um, as well. And so we realized that co-working is a very big deal in in urban centers but it's not in rural communities because it's not financially sustainable and people who have tried to build co-working spaces usually struggle after about the first year once funding runs out um, and so we were trying to find a way to make it possible to build that ecosystem to support rural communities 
and we we eventually, over two years of piloting um, this program, our rural co-working program, we now have a 30-day challenge that rural communities can can run, and it's really an event. It leads to a a, um, a one-week co-working takeover week at the very end of the 30 days, where the entire downtown turns into a co-working center. Um, and all of the businesses are offering some kind of a service or support or some offering to remote workers or home-based entrepreneurs um, who are going to come into the town for that week and, and work. And what that looks like is um, or any number of things. We've, we've run this so many times with communities, and every single community does something completely different with it, which is really amazing, and it really speaks to the, the heart and the creativity of, of the people that are in rural communities. But we've had, um, we've had salons that have, ha- have built desks that people can work at while they're, while they're having a pedicure um, done (laughs) we've had we've had um we've had rv lots who have opened their their show model rvs put in um high-speed internet and allowed people to come and work in those and i do believe that 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 one um example ended up selling an rv as a result of this because somebody was able to test it for a week and imagine themselves actually working in that space long term and it allowed them the gave them the confidence to go ahead and, and buy one for themselves so that they could travel um and you know all the businesses create some with their auditor utilized space they create some kind of an offering and they hopefully charge for it we we we, we uh, encourage them to charge for it so that they can test out um, another source of income that they can use to offset some of those downtimes that our, our rural business leaders are, are struggling with. And um, in the end, we have all kinds of different offerings um, that people got to test out. And at the end of the 30 days, once we've run this, this challenge and the co-working takeover week is over, businesses can opt um, to continue offering that service or not. And most of them do because it's really simple. They don't have to invest any extra money um, and they have new customers already who know about them. And so we've created in 30 days an, an ecosystem to support remote workers and, and home-based entrepreneurs from nothing. And we've also put extra money in the pockets of the of the local business owners and help them use that that space in a really productive way. So that that program, we're really excited and we're really proud of that because it it's um it's been very very successful and it uses what we already have in our own communities and we don't have to take any really big risks with it. Um, so that's the that was one program. Right now. My focus is is on um, bridging that rural-urban divide, and it's a really big task because it, we seem to be getting farther and farther away from each other. And I speak um, at conferences and and to groups of people about this issue and, and try to get get them to see that we have to start building pathways, clear pathways back and forth between rural and urban. 
and we have to try and connect the two in a in a much more effective way so that it's not a drain from one to the other but it's it's something that's this healthy healthy pathway back and forth that is natural because we do move in our lifetime and we're not as much as you know we're living rural on purpose right now whoever you know I'm, I'm talking to um you have had a pathway that has led you back and forth most often between rural and urban centers and having having something that is going to support you in that development in that pathway back and forth make it easier for you to go from one to the other i think is going to be uh, good for everybody so we're, we're working on ways to do that um, i'm currently writing a book that is it'll be my first book and it uh, it looks at this issue of what what rural is going to look like, what I believe it's going to look like in the future, what opportunities we have, and it it has in the the back half of the book it will have a whole um, a whole framework for community building and dealing with really big challenges in our rural communities. So I'm hoping it's going to be a useful book when it comes out and uh, maybe spark some thought and get some people doing some some creative piloting on their own in their communities. So Mary, what communities have you worked in? And second question, how do you measure the impact or the results of doing that work? Okay, the communities I've worked in, we have run pilots, formal pilots in, um, we've run pilots in the west coast of Canada, in Ontario, and well, across, across, where have we run? I'm, you know, you, you put me on the spot, and I'm trying to remember all of the communities that we've worked in. We started in High River, Alberta. That was the very first time we ran our, our pilot program and it was super successful. We've run, um, we've run in a number of communities in Alberta and in Saskatchewan and in Manitoba, in Ontario. And is, we've run, we've run the pilot in Texas as well, um, in LaGrange, Texas and some really, really great community leaders there that we have become part of our rural community um, network that are doing some amazing things there. Brandon and Brittany Shylax, they're fantastic. And we're, we're looking at running it in Australia this year, and we're looking at um, developing a program, a modified program to run in um, on islands all over, all over the world, because islands are struggling with a lot of the same issues that rural communities are. And so we've, uh, you know, I've built a really great connection and network um, opportunity with some leaders that are in that space as well. Okay, how do you measure the, uh, the social impact of what you're doing? We... As part of the pilot process, we have all kinds of surveys that we run and we collect data all the way through it. So every community has their own data and they know, for example, you know, what, what 
local business owners are struggling with and what their outlook on the future is. And we look at, um, we, we take, we look at, um, how remote workers are feeling. Are they feeling isolated? Are they feeling detached? Do they feel that they need some kind of an ecosystem to support them? Um, we gather data around hard numbers. How many people are actually coming in to, to co-work during that co-working takeover week? We find out what they're willing to, to pay. We find out um, whether they would like to continue coming in and how often. We get all the data that you really need. Um, if you were looking at starting a business um, in a community, except that this is real local data. These are your actual customers. This isn't data that's based on, you know, um, some other community or, or a large region. This is based on your own, your own local community, your own potential customers. Um, I'm pretty excited about what we're able to provide to the communities once they've run this challenge, because it's very useful data. Mary, can you talk a little bit about the importance of having a team to work with you and to support you? Oh, it's everything, Peter. The whole the whole idea behind Rural on Purpose is that we have this global network of people that are that are doing really creative things. And there are so many community leaders that I would consider part of my network, part of my team. They, they don't necessarily work with Rural on Purpose um, as a as a formal um, in a in a formal capacity, but in an informal way, we work together all the time. So we share resources, we promote each other, we have webinars where we talk about you know important issues that we're we're all dealing with and how we're dealing with them, and we try to we try to spread knowledge more than anything else. And in terms of I can definitely talk about teamwork in terms of um, our pilots, because when you're running the challenge, the first thing that we do is we establish a community leadership team. And that's really an activation team. This is, these are the people that are the boots on the ground leaders that are going to be running this and driving this. community. And we, we take them through a process of um, team building, understanding what their roles are, um, during this challenge and understanding what their skill sets are. And um, we have communication tools that we use all the time. So we run, during the challenge, we run what we call a stand-up. And it's an online meeting, just, just like the Zoom meetings and the, the Google Chats that people have. But we have it for about 15 minutes every single morning. So the entire team comes together. They can be on the same page. Everyone gets a chance to say, this is what I'm doing today. These are my blockers and, you know, solve some of the problems that other people are having very, very quickly. And just having that touch point, having that ability to, to, um, to connect online, wherever you are, makes it convenient and allows you to feel like you're, you're working as part of a team and not in isolation. I, I tell you a funny story. We had um, one of our community leads in, you know, on one of the teams, um, usually had her her standups at her desk with her computer. And there was one morning, she was she you could tell she was had her phone with her, and she had the video on, and she was 
walking really quickly through a field. And we said, Angela, what are you, what are you, where are you? What are you doing? And she said, oh, I'm sorry. She says, we, you know, we have a, a ranch and we, I, I have a, a cow that's calving and I have to go and find her. So we, we had this whole stand-up meeting, all of us, I'm not even in the same province. And we're having this, this meeting about the, the challenge while she is um, there with a cow that's calving and we got to see a, a, a cow being born um, during our meeting. So ta- if you can't, if, if that's not a way of connecting technology with team building and with rural development, I, I don't know what is. It was, it was really great experience. You have had some interesting times. Can you, can you talk about work-life balance? Because you have a big family, uh, you know, all kids, plus your husband is the, the biggest kid. <laughs> how, do, how do you balance your work and your life? Oh, Peter, I think it's a struggle for everybody. I, it's an ongoing, it's an ongoing challenge. It's a, it's a challenge that, you know, most entrepreneurs have. Um, and uh, I can't say I have it all worked out because I, I do feel like I'm, you know, I don't have on and off time the way a lot of people do. I'm, I'm usually on whenever I need to be, which is any time of day or night. <laughs> and, um, but we do try to take care of our health. We do exercise every day. Um, we walk every single morning. It gives us a chance to kind of, um, you know, just get talk through what we're going to be doing during the day. It gives us, my husband and I a chance to, to kind of connect before we kind of go our separate ways, which is really separate rooms in the house because we work it. We work in, we're both remote workers. So we, we, uh, we're both working from home, but just eating healthily. And one of the things that we haven't done very well is, you know, taking care of that, that creative um, side that we both have and, you know, spend, really block out time to, to go and do something that is non-work related and, uh, and that's creative. And, you know, you, me, with me, I, I get the, the kind of urge and craving to do that. And when I know, I know that I haven't paid any attention to that creative side, if, um, if I'm really feeling like I have, I have to go and take that time. So, um, I have to better manage that. And, like anyone else, it's uh, it is a it is a balancing act. Okay, great. Now, for our listeners, let's say that I'm in a community and I've heard about this program. And how do I apply, or how do I connect with you to uh, find out if we're a possible community that could use your services? We have been working on different versions of this pilot since we began. So we started out with a 10-week pilot program, and we condensed it, and we got it down over the two years to a 30-day challenge, which works really, really well. Um, We are now in a new iteration um, of that, that program. And we are adapting it for other environments. Like I said, with, uh, with island communities, we're looking at, at working with them to make it work there. So 
you can go to the ruralonpurpose.com website and you can get information about the challenge, where we've been, what we've done. There's some really informative uh, videos about co-working and, and why it's important. Um, and you can get information about the challenge there. As I said, we are iterating again. So we're trying to make this fit with more communities and make it more accessible. And so you'll have to just kind of watch that website and see, see um, how it's developing and how you can fit into that. I think we're, what we're going to do is create more options for communities and not less. You're also using LinkedIn as a tool to connect with people. I am yes. LinkedIn is a is a really great place to network, and there are some um, really creative uh, people and people doing some amazing things there. So, what we've done is we created a rural on purpose LinkedIn group. There is a LinkedIn page or a rural on purpose page, but the LinkedIn rural on purpose group is where people are sharing their ideas and communicating and um, putting their resources up and. So I'm trying to facilitate that as much as possible. It's a it's a big job when you've got a lot of different um, a lot of different communication tools that you're using, but that's that's definitely one that that has some some good engagement. So if you're interested in joining that group, you can go to um, Rural on Purpose LinkedIn group and request access. And and uh, every you know I I usually get back to people within the day. Uh, I don't think I've gone any longer than that, and and uh, you're in. So we've, we've got that, and we've got all of our social media channels. They're at Rural on Purpose, and our website is www.ruralonpurpose.com, and I'm also open to LinkedIn invitations if someone wants to connect uh, professionally with me on LinkedIn, so Mary Doyle on LinkedIn. So today we've had a great opportunity to hear the story of Mary Doyle and her journey through a variety of teaching and entrepreneurship activities. And we look forward to having you connect with Mary to see how you might be able to work together and support the work that she's doing. Thank you very much, Mary. Thank you, Peter. I've appreciated the opportunity.